Hello and welcome to the Interculture Podcast, where we discuss the unique challenges of intercultural relationships, including differences of nationality, ethnicity, or religion. I am Ibrahim. And I'm Jenna. Each week, we discuss a different topic on living and thriving in an increasingly global society. I think we're going to be talking about living religion. Yeah. Seems like a big issue. I mean, I wouldn't consider that as an issue. In the conservative people's eyes, yes, that's an issue because they are losing fans of their religion. Yeah. <laughs> and they're losing a lot of them. But I would say it's kind of important to talk because I am also like witnessing a lot of people who were like really religious in the past and now they are like really secular, you know, and had a change of mind also like seeing the opposite too. people who are like yeah not raised that religious now they're like in deep well i'm curious about the ages of the people that you're seeing leaving and coming to religion i would say pretty old for both mm-hmm. wow okay i would think that that would be more young people no 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 i mean joining the religion i mean joining the religion Okay. Not not an early early age. Their forties or fifties. Young people too also. But very few, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those as a really dramatic turnover in their life. Maybe in some way, like yes. catastrophe happened in their life. I respect that, of course. Everybody should respect that. Yeah. But we are not gonna be talking about that t- tonight, so Yeah, we're on the other side of the gate. So we'll be talking about the living religion. Do you really think that religion itself should dedicate or should direct or shape the norms that we believe or like daily life or um, the rules that we live in or the law that we like have to obey? What do you think? I mean, quick answer. No, I I don't think that they should be directing. Mm -hmm. But I think the good that people gain from religion is they can see examples of how to behave and how to treat other people and also have like a sense of community, which is really important. But you shouldn't rely on religion to create your own understanding of morality and ethics. I mean, it can, like I said, there are examples in religion that can guide you, but you you need to think for yourself in terms of what is best, like what does the least harm to others, to a society. You need to think for yourself on that and think through that process on laws, especially. You need to look outside of just the religious perspective. Some people really see that as destruction of ethics. Because of leaving religion, cruelty is between us more now. In the eyes of the religious people, you know what I mean? The crime rate's also high. I'm pretty sure the the real reason in religious people's eyes is that people are like losing faith in God or in, in religion. That's why. I know religious people who does bad things also. Like, Well, of course. Who cheats, you know, who like... Uh, Having a religion, it doesn't mean you're a good or a bad person. And like not being involved in religion... 
I mean, it doesn't mean anything. I agree that. It's just beliefs. Like, if you believe that your religion is meant to inspire you to be a better person and to take care of more people in your society, then that's what religion is going to do for you. If you think religion is going to be a tool to justify your own desires, like, then that's how you will use it. And especially I think we see certain people, they will view religion as like a point of their superiority over others. And they kind of use that as a way to look down upon other people who they see as someone who does not know the truth. Well, in the past, of course, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you know the Crusaders. Yes, I do. For Christianity. And then we had this jihad mentality for the, for the Islam. Mm-hmm. People used to kill people in the name of God, in the name of religion. People still do that. People, yeah, people, <laughs> of course, yeah, people still do that. But you could have gathered an army, like hundreds of thousands of people, and then just, you know, kill each other just to hold the possession of that sacred land. Uh. And there are still people that, there are some people who believe that, you know, if they like hold the position of those lands, they could bring the Messiah back again, something like that. I don't know. Oh, um, I don't know about that. But thinking about that, like really thinking about what that means, being able to call an army for a religious cause just to take this land or to get rid of people who aren't involved in your religion that are in your path, let's say. The mentality like that would that that would take, I mean, like such entitlement and no consideration for, you know, the value of life or the value of diversity either, which is I mean, I, I feel like people still have this mindset today, though, like people still are ready to fight for like what they see as like the superior way, what makes them superior well, it's, it can be easily manipulated, and which is really sad. I really do believe all religions has a pure way of, how do you say, make someone good if you follow. But uh, it's also going to be a manipulation, really easy, if you don't know what you're doing. Today, politicians can use religion to move millions. Yeah. We can see that happening in almost in every country, especially like a country like Turkey right now. Yeah. So... Political Islam is a huge, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't say a threat, but it's, it's a destruction of a society. It can turn out to be that, that way, at least. For my case, I started feeling cold towards religion after I see what, what is happening in Turkey. Mm. Over 20 years, almost. Because I, could, I would see that those people who come in charge of the country, they were doing these things in the, in the name of God in some way. and then. They were like getting their photos taken by journalists when they like praying or going to these like hajj and other stuff, you know. Oh my God. And people were loving that. Public were in love with these people. But I also knew in, in religion, when you're praying, nobody should be seeing you. Yeah, that's because in the Bible. Because you're praying for yourself, right? It's in the Bible too. It's in the Bible yeah. too, right? It's because you're doing that for yourself. You're doing that for, that's the communication between you and God. You shouldn't be taking credit for from other people for doing that. Right. Well, I think in those texts, they really discourage you from using like, especially as like a political tool, that's for sure not okay, according to scripture. You should not be doing it to look better to those around you. 
that's like a huge part of like how they tell you to pray, right? And I would see injustice and I would see bribery, of course. Yeah. And people who watch for them are also like validating them. And yes. they were like kind of like turned a blind eye to them, to each other, because there was no other, no better option. So you should go with what you have. But you would see that straight up that injustice, you know? Hmm. I think the religious orders are pretty clear, even though I'm not, I'm not really religious Muslim, like really good Muslim, but I know, I know that. So praying five times in a day and then try to save money to do your, like the most sacred Hajj and Umrah and like sacrificing animals, you're doing all the obligations you're, you're supposed to do. You're staying out of alcohol, you're staying out of sex, out of, outside of marriage. But when it comes to governing mm-hmm. in the big picture, you're somehow like turn the blind eye. Uh. So when I see those things, I kind of like become distant to religion. Can we like share our own personal stories in this? I'd like to hear like your arc, I guess, with Islam. If you can talk about how you were raised and like how your thoughts about it changed as you grew. It was definitely not a, not extreme, but I was raised religious, of mm-hmm. course. And in Turkey, there is no, it's not like Catholic schools here, you know? There are like really private communities that you can join, but mm-hmm. you 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 just have to go to like uh, governmental schools for your own education. It's not like here. Interesting. So well, anyway, don't they teach? I mean, isn't Islam like kind of included in some of your like public education though? Yeah, it, but it's not like uh, yeah, actually it is. It's also like pretty uh, objective. Hmm. I would say. Okay. But. The philosophy of the religion, I guess, you learn that in from your family or some somewhere else. Okay. So, anyway, when I really young, I started learning also the Arabic, the Quran alphabet. You know. Mm-hmm. So after like one month or so, I knew that I learned how to read Quran. Mm. But I wouldn't. I I wouldn't understand what I was reading. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard people say that like they were forced to like know how to read the Quran, but they don't mm-hmm. even know like. Yeah, what we, it wouldn't, says. we wouldn't even know, like, what are we reading? When I was trying to read the Turkish version, mm-hmm. the people, like, that I was talking with, they felt they were f- feeling some sort of, like, offend, that was, like, offending the Quran by reading it. I... It is, like, it, it, isn't it crazy? I've encountered that same sentiment. I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, me too. I don't understand. Like, da. I mean, Arabic is not my native language. Of yeah, even even like some in some Arab countries, the the, um, the alphabet of Quran is a different dialect. You still have to like get an education to understand the Quran. It's not like it's not. It's kind of like the uh, Latin language. You know what I mean? Okay. As wow. like slowly died, nobody talks that anymore. But you have to do like uh, some sort of an education, even even if you're even if you're born in an Arabic country, even if you knew general Arabic, you know what wow, I mean? Wow. Okay. Well, I think I I'm just guessing here that a big point for Muslims about the Quran is that it is like an an unchanged text for like a thousand years. That's and I I feel like that's where they're like no this is this is surviving since that time and it hasn't changed and yeah that's we have we, to preserve exactly like that's what we believe we believe but, that God has protected Quran and never touched and never changed but if you can't understand what it's saying of course you have to have a translation I mean that's so obvious to me yeah I think the uh they see the Quran as itself as a piece of art also. Mm. and before you're learning the real Quran alphabet or the meaning of the words of the Quran 
passes in the sentence inside the Quran, you're kind of like not disrespecting, but you wouldn't understand the exact meaning of it as long as you didn't learn the real language. So reading in a, in a Turkish, there are some idioms or words that you cannot exactly translate right. in, in Turkish, even though if you translate, that makes nonsense. So it's kind of like that. That's the mentality of it. But it's really hard. And as a child, you're supposed to be on the school at the same time, do mm-hmm. math, science, physics, algebra, blah, blah, blah. You also have this obligation to you by, uh, by the religion. So you have to learn. So it's, it's really hard. I feel like that's crazy. I mean, I don't want to be judgmental. But yeah, like- now if you go to Turkey, I'm pretty sure 80% of the population, they don't know what actually read, uh, writes in Quran. <laughs> Most of them doesn't know. Wow. Okay. They just know how to read. They cannot understand the meaning of what they read. Yeah. So that's why it's always like going to be easily manipulative. So yeah, I witnessed that. And I would say for myself, it it did seem a bit of a, I wouldn't say boring. I, I don't want to disrespect that, but it's like, I was also like discovering myself. You know, I'm, I'm a, you're, you're a child. Mm-hmm. You have your own journey. And when you're a child, you're more likely to resist an authority. Even though you had mom and dad and then you, now you have another authority of the God. <laughs> I don't know. In some point, it, it felt a lot. And also like my family was like pushing me until I was like 17 or 18 to learn it more or to do my prayers and anything. Mm-hmm. In Turkey also, there are like religious communities like here. Most of them are like a foundation. They also have like, they're like organizations, religious organizations in Turkey. Some of them are, corp- some of them, they have corporates. Hmm. Just like here, some of them have schools, some of them has hospitals. Uh, there are, some of them are also like just gather together certain days of, of the week and they read Quran and then they discuss it, what, what the meaning of it. Or they read other sources of other people who studied that in the past and they wrote a book about it. But wouldn't that just be like imams? Yeah, most of them are imams. Some of them are imams, okay. but I'm talking like... They're like scholars of the Quran kind of or... Kind of. Okay. Especially the Ottoman Empire. Mm. And uh, these people are also like really respected. Most of them are not here anymore. They are like dead. Okay. Even though right after um, Prophet Muhammad's, after, after his death, they were like serious followers of religion. They started studying the Quran. Mm. So this has been like going on for like almost like 15 centuries. And now there are like these religious groups in, in Turkey, some of them has the same imam, like the all also like the scholars that they follow, but some of them are different. So it's really like in the society. You cannot like rip that apart from the society. Mm-hmm. I think like people who are trying to be religious in Turkey, they have a need of belonging one of one of these religious communities, yeah. you know, in order to stay in the religion or not stay in the religion, but preserve the faith. Be with the people like you or like something like here. You know, I, I see like some conventions that Catholics or Christians do or different like uh, religious groups do. They become together and then I, I would see the preachers. They give like really big speeches to big crowds. Yeah. They consider it as a sacred, per- not, not a sacred person, but they were, they were like really respected by those yeah. other like Christians. Yeah. Something like that in Turkey. Okay. But it seems like some of the stuff that those communities do, like here, you would just do that in church or at the church. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to, to Juma, like mm-hmm. you, there's not so much of like that discussion happening. Like I, I've been 
um i know like the imam will talk about um i don't issues nobody, nobody, nobody listens to that yeah well that's what i'm saying it's like he'll talk like briefly but in church it's like there's more you know the priest will explain parts of the bible mm. and mm. They'll read a lot of it and there's more discussion about the Bible and God and and the church will host like events and, and things. So it seems like they're there to get that equivalent in Turkey. Mm -hmm. That's what, what the communities are serving to me. But the churches here are founded by the government? No. No, right? They're private. Yeah. The, yeah, completely. Yeah. The, the thing is, the, the thing about it is the uh, the mosques are mostly built by government. So, which is weird. Which yeah, you find <laughs> that weird. You find that weird, but it's people are people are okay with that. And when they see like government building more, I just remembered. Sorry, I just remembered in Turkey. We in Istanbul, mm -hmm. we went. We were walking around, and we found like maybe something like that, where these guys were. Um, It was like a school where they would teach you calligraphy, like to write mm -hmm. um, parts of the Quran. Mm -hmm. And they would, they also would like talk about the, the Quran to people there, like teach them. But it was like mm -hmm. a calligraphy school, like um, the government, government supported. Mm -hmm. And we went inside because there was, um, there was a tomb close by and we were, we went to look at it and we kind of wandered in there and. These guys were like, hey, do you want to like, do you want to come see our art? Do you want to talk to us like about our, you know, what we do here? And because you were, you were, <laughs> you were tourists. And then if they can turn you into a Muslim, it will be a huge accomplishment for them. <laughs> well, good luck with that. But, but it was really interesting. You know, I really like, you know, listening to him talk about what they did there. And the calligraphy was beautiful. And I tried to like give them a donation because we were there for like half an hour. They were just telling, you know, telling us about everything they gave us like a book of poetry for free and like gave it mm. we're giving us stuff and so i wanted to like you know donate to their cause nice. because it was you know an artistic endeavor but they did not accept donations they're mm. like no no we don't accept anything but anyway you can continue on i just recalled stumbling into that place so what was i saying i'm sorry i interrupted you broke no, the <laughs> no 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 yeah you made a good point actually Something, some of the things that I was, I want to say it's kind of related, related to that, but let me uh, go back to uh, my journey again. So <laughs> 20 minutes later, when I was going through my teenage years, I stopped praying most of the time. And, uh, was that because just like teenage angst and like laziness almost, or was that like actually rejection of the practice itself? No, it wasn't the rejection of the practice. It was just my laziness. Okay. It was just my laziness. I must admit. <laughs> well, that's just how teenagers are. Yeah. When I lose that practice, it kind of become a normality. And when I was in my early 20s, I could have seen these things happening in Turkey that I was talking about like 10 minutes ago. And then it kind of become not nonsense, but I kind of felt that it, it did lose its sacredness. Mm -hmm. to go to that mosque and then pray and then or i don't know like pray by yourself because there is like a huge conflict between even some of the religious people that should be voting the same party or not so i blame that for i blame current government current administration for that obviously and even me talking about this like this might trigger some something really big in turkey you know some people might be really upset and i could be i could be jailed oh my god yes there are people are get, With getting jailed that one Pop singer. 
Yeah, she she she's jailed now. Yeah. It was really offensive what she said. But oh, I didn't read what she said. Sorry. Yeah, it was kind of offensive. <laughs> it was really offensive what she said, but she didn't deserve to be jailed for that reason. Right. Anyway, um, I kind of like find because even though when you try to follow to true Islam, you lost the sense of what the true Islam is are is it is anymore. You know what I mean? No. Everybody has <laughs> because everybody has. I could see that everybody has a different belief of Islam right now. Everybody has its own explanation of Islam. It everybody yes. has its own. I could see like some of the people like with really long beard and wearing these. Uh, large clothes and they see them as, as true Muslims and I could see the opposite. I don't know. It's kind of like confusing. It's really confusing. And I'm, I was like sick of that. Mm. So I said like, okay, I'm going to keep my life in balance. I could still, still believe some of the things. Yeah. Appreciate some of the things that this religion has brought my, brought to me. Sure. But I'm definitely like, not going to like keep my mind constantly try to figure this out. Maybe I did the wrong thing. I don't know. But and I had college coming and I had like, I had other plans to come here, you know, mm-hmm. plan my future. That could, I could, I could have planned it still while I was following the religion, but it, it, it did kind of lose its, its grace, mm. like that pure feeling mm. that had it in me. Yeah. But I, of course, still respect that, but I'm not following it when I was like nine, 10 years old anymore. <laughs> Did that bother you, like, at that time, you know, that you were becoming cold to the religion? Yeah, it did. But I'm, but I'm kind of numb to it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, like, feel more neutral. Right. So I don't know if, it's, if that's the wrong thing or right, right thing to feel. That's why I'm, like, questioning myself always when it comes to these things, you know? It's really mind-bending, tiring thing. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of of the mindset. You know, as long as you're trying your best to be a kind person and help other people, like, it's not worth being in agony over what is true, what it's not true. Like, it's better to just focus on being a good person, living a good life, than to try to, like, know all the details. Yeah, um, and I was also questioning this, like, what makes us a better person by religion? I mean, believing in religion or being in a religion makes you a better person or the best person other than else? I mean, how can that be true, though? I, I just I just don't feel... I mean, I've seen religion inspire people to lead truly good lives and influence the people around them in a really beautiful and inspiring way, like to save people even. But you've also seen people who twist religion into killing thousands of people. It's not about the ideology. It's about the person's heart and how they choose to use that ideology. And I think we would be remiss to not discuss the West's perception of Islam post 9-11 in this conversation about leaving religion, because it did change so many things on like such a deep level. I didn't really know anything about I was very young when 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the Twin Towers were. I didn't really know anything about Islam whatsoever. But you could feel, even though I was a child, you could feel these tensions arising, this anxiety. And as a result of that, many, many Muslims and people who, who looked like a Muslim, <laughs> that not even were Muslim, were being attacked. 
in the streets by people. And that really freaked a lot of people out. There was this anger and fear and ignorance. And then as this was happening, there was a response from liberals that we need to start protecting Muslim ideology from attack, basically. And in the West now, we're given like this view of Islam that is scrubbed clean, that is made to look like, oh, this is the original feminist religion. This is the better version of Christianity, you know, next level Christianity or something. And that's not the full picture. I'll tell you what I learned in college about Islam was very positive as opposed to what I learned about Christianity and the Bible was really negative. Like it was stark, the difference between how those two ideologies were taught in a university class. And there's a lot of, I, I follow like a lot of ex-Muslim communities online and there's a lot of anger from those people about the fact that Islam is now like become above criticism in the West, basically. How it's not fair that, that they aren't shown, we aren't shown some of the darker sides of Islam, which I mean, there are darker sides of every religion. I'm not like saying Islam is uniquely bad at all, but it's important to like see the negative shades of, of it and not just seen as like this protected status. And also the term Islamophobia became a thing after 9-11. And the same people have an issue with that because you can't have a prejudice towards an ideology. You have prejudice towards people. You should always critique and examine an ideology. You should do that. You should not judge or show prejudice and bigotry towards people who believe in an ideology. Basically, the point is being a Muslim is like a protected status the same as being like man, female, like gay, whatever. But Islam is not protected from from criticism. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It shouldn't be, of course. That is the thing about the religion. Most of the religions, they just want you to believe a series of incidents, series of things that happened in the past that is not physically possible against law of physics. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Someone cannot return from dead yeah. after many years. You know, that's physically not possible. Right. And your body cannot be preserved by just itself without getting rotten. And then you cannot resurrect with the same body and healthy skin thousands of years later. Yeah. That you were stationed somewhere in the, in the sky. That is also physically not possible. Right. So I don't know. It just no. I mean, it's true. It's like those things. It's mythology. It's natural to humans to have these stories. But as society progresses, we have less and less space for mythology, and more and more space dedicated to science. Mm. I think I want to tell my story now. Maybe focus a little on Christianity instead of. Oh that. yeah, I, I would love that. <laughs> I was actually gonna. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I, I really didn't want this to be just about Islam, of course. Yeah. I think I had a bit of a different experience from you. I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic schools 
from kindergarten through all the way through high school. I was in Catholic school and I was like a really, I I really don't understand my mindset as a child. I was very studious. I was very like goody two shoes, they say. Very quiet. Was always trying to be the quiet, obedient child. I really was trying to be a good Catholic always, always. And as I became a teenager, you know, I started to question certain things. And my my mom is actually, she was not raised as a Catholic. She converted for my dad when they got married. And throughout my childhood, she had a lot of criticisms <laughs> about Catholicism. You know, she really didn't believe in Catholicism. She just put up with it, essentially. So I was already like growing up in a household where certain things were questioned. And in high school, I really w- was starting to think, I don't believe in the concept of hell. I don't believe that's possible because if God is good and our lives are so short, I mean, how, how can he condemn someone to horrible agony for all eternity over one short life? And one person, you know, maybe they grew up in an abusive household. You know, maybe they were given many disadvantages. Maybe they were abused and oppressed. And because of that, or maybe they were, they were even born a psychopath, let's say. Psychopathy is real. It happens naturally. All these things to make someone hurt other human beings or do bad things or whatever. They probably didn't choose to be a psychopath. They probably didn't choose to like be in horrible pain that makes them a bully towards others. I just cannot justify them burning and in torment for an eternity after like maximum 100 years of life of doing some bad things. Like it just made no sense to me. But anyway, there were already some things in my mind where I was questioning and something I'm not sure I want to get it into detail with today, but when I was 18, I was in a really, really bad situation. I'll just say like something really horrible happened to me at this point that changed my entire life forever and my relationship to my family forever and made me suicidal for like many years. Oh dear a deep trauma and maybe someday I'll be prepared to talk about it but anyway you get the picture it was a very transformative time and at that same time I was like in a philosophy class in college too it was just like this combination of things where I was just like my mind was opening up going to university and I was finally outside of this controlled catholic environment that I'd been in my entire life I changed And in the beginning, I was upset about it. I said, okay, well, maybe I'm not a Catholic anymore, but I'm always going to believe in God, (laughs) you know, like, and it was upsetting. And like, because when you go through that process, it's so painful. But here's the thing. Belief is not a choice. A lot of religious people think it is, but it's not. You can influence what information comes to you, but you can't choose whether or not you believe something. And I didn't believe in that religion or even in God anymore. And like that's this intense discomfort because your whole life you believed in something and you want to continue believing in it because it's part of you. It's part of your identity. It's what's comforting to you. But if you don't have that belief anymore, it's gone. That's a transition. You have to come to terms with that. And it's like very painful for most people from what I understand. 
I said I was going to be, I was always going to believe in God, but I don't, I mean, I don't say that there's not something out there that we don't know about, like how the universe came into being, you know, and it's expanding and what's going to happen when all the black holes meet up and swallow everything. I mean, there's things out there we don't understand, right? I'm open to the idea that there is a godlike thing out there. That's very possible. Well, let me say, according to science, we are kind of like hundreds of millions of years away from that. Well, yeah. It's not going to happen in like, we wouldn't see that, obviously. But according to religion, it's not that far. Exactly. And there are many Christians who think it's coming like tomorrow. Yeah. Same as, same as Islam. Yeah. But yeah, when I went through that process of accepting that I no longer believed in like anything in my religion and didn't even believe in God anymore, I was infuriated. I was full of this rage because the Catholic Church damaged me in a lot of ways. Yeah. I was enraged about that. I was enraged about feeling lied to, kind of. Mm. I was just experiencing this intense anger. And I was also like angry from like my trauma and like feeling abandoned by friends and family. So I was just like an angry person. I told my mom, like, I've started to look into Satanism, you know, just to like provoke her. Had such fury inside of me. It was a horrible time. But it passed and I grew up and I got, I got over things that happened and kind of made peace with people and made peace with my time and religion. I started to heal from that, especially with Catholicism. I feel like repressed sexuality is like a huge thing for women and feeling like unworthy, unvaluable. I started to like heal from a lot of those things. I mean, I have healed. I haven't started to heal. I've I've healed a lot. I'm still in the process, of course. But that anger is gone. I'm much more calm now. I'm not so, like, angry at Catholics. You know, I'm not angry at Catholics. They're fine. I'm not angry at religion or religious people. I don't look down on them, you know. I mean, how else would I, like, be in a relationship with a Muslim if I did, you know, (laughs) if I didn't respect people who were religious? But... But I, I don't think I could be in a relationship with the Catholic because I think it would, it would bring back too much of that pain. Yeah. So I can be, I can be with a Muslim because you know there's not the the, the deeply rooted trauma surrounding Islam for me, so it's fine, and we can respect each other and have those conversations without mm-hmm. being demeaning towards each other. Well, Memo is not really religious at all. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. He has beliefs only, but I don't think he's practicing that much. He doesn't pray or go to mosque mm-hmm. or read the Quran, which I bought him for Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't do any of those things, but he's still, you know, Ramadan is an important time for him. And oh, yeah. mm-hmm. he also will donate food to poor families in Turkey, like during holy parts of the year. And He talks, you know, he will discuss his faith with me sometimes. Mm. I actually do consider him like a spiritual person, but not, he's not a, an indoctrinated Muslim, I wouldn't say. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Because of the nonsense, some of the things in the religion, I get my, not rage, but some sort of a confused headspace time to time. But I still, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that I raged about, but I'm, but I'm raged about the extremism 
Hmm. Really, really bad, you know. Yeah. How do you find that, what kind of a text, what kind of a sentence that you find in this holy book that orders you to kill someone, especially innocent person, you know? That's what usually happens when the terrorist attacks happen. You, you know, like the normal people get killed. So, yes. It's just frustrating. I'm definitely not believing the same religion with those guys. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm an infidel in their eyes, you know? I'm not Muslim at all. So it is really, it's just too tiring. It's, it's not right, though, that, that for many people, like, that is how they think of Islam. When they think of Islam in their minds, they think of, you know, Al-Qaeda or ISIS. Like, it's not, it's not fair that that is the case. I would never want to associate a normal Muslim with an extremist, you know? It's, I feel for them, but I also think confront, like, the negative aspects of, of the religion. Where is that coming from? Confront it. Like, don't run away from it. So true. I'm sorry for derailing you. No, no. Uh, you shouldn't be feeling sorry about anything. You didn't have some bombings and terrorist attacks by extremists, even in an Islamic country. Right. It's crazy. So, especially the ISIS, the ISIS times, you know, all of these things, I think, made me kind of more also distant towards religion, towards like any religion, you know. Mm. And I don't know, there are some texts in the holy book. You probably know the prophet Noah. Mm-hmm. They believe that he saved humanity. Yeah. Human race and animals and plants. He's considered as a, a really like holy prophet, even though he doesn't, he doesn't have his own religion. Yeah. Is Noah considered a Jew? <laughs> I don't know exactly, but according to Judaism, the surface of the earth was flooded and the only a few people has been rescued by him, 40,000 people. Okay. And the all species of the animals. Uh-huh. I don't know how to fit that in the, in, in the ship. There are like animals that doesn't ex- exist today because of their like race has been extinct. Yeah. Even that we still don't know. We're still like trying to discover. I will say it was one of my favorite stories growing up. Yeah, me too. Because it is, it is an incredible story. It's just some, some of things makes zero sense. Even like, like a, not, a, not a single sense, you know? So but just, don't people say like that was a metaphor? They still believe Noah was a, a real person, but they say, well, we don't take that story literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, Might aren't be. there people who, who say that? But especially the, <clears throat> the ship, the making the ship also. I mean, like there are like engineers who like dedicate their life to build a ship with iron and steel. Mm-hmm. And back then, and iron and steel, especially like maybe iron, but steel didn't exist yet. So... Have you seen that pictures of that museum of Noah and the the ark? They made what they believe is like a a real a true to life version of from, from the wood. Yeah, from oh, okay. wood. It costs like sixty bucks to go into that museum. Apparently, mm. no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, they made like what they believe is a accurate replica of Noah's ark. Okay, but in Islam, is it is a different story? According to Islam. The whole world wasn't flooded, only some part of the world. Interesting. Yeah, belief that is Black Sea has reunited with the Mediterranean Sea. It wasn't like whole world. Kind of made makes sense because since you cannot fit the marine mammals in a ship. So. Yeah. 
those so many of those stories you know in the Quran and in the Old Testament and the ancient texts they're just oral traditions that are very old that have been written down they've been carried for thousands of years and they're just stories that the people carried which people discuss ancient civilizations were built around river systems and when there was a flood it would be devastating for people their farming and everything was around that river for irrigation so it makes sense that they would have tales of devastating floods and i think it's it's actually really beautiful that we've preserved these stories from the beginning of our human civilization it's really really special that we've held on to some of those oral traditions and what we believe the remainings of the ship has been found in turkey i bet it has <laughs> in the mountains of the highest mountain of, mountain of turkey which is in the east part of turkey the uh city called Aru. okay i don't know what judaism or the christianity believe exactly i haven't researched that but i think some christians Muslim, Muslim believe that. do believe that parts of the boat were found in turkey though yeah i think that's like a common belief here too mm. i was reading something not too long ago there's been like some debate among archaeologists about the israelites and some of those communities that they haven't found um evidence for archaeological evidence and questioning did these people do what really what it says in the bible do they even exist because we can't find the evidence but they are starting to find more evidence and what they've come to realize is the israelites were nomadic peoples you know they didn't build cities they didn't leave behind these huge monuments or stable structures for archaeologists to find they carried everything with them they did not settle places and that's why this this kind of older school of thought we should be questioning whether these people were even alive at all there's been like some pushback on that just because we haven't seen the physical evidence for some of the things that have happened in those old stories doesn't mean that parts of them didn't happen which i think is really interesting maybe there's a exaggeration in it a lot of exaggeration in it maybe well if you just look at how people change a story as it gets told from one person yeah. to the next five people yeah. it changes a lot now think about how much a story would change over a thousand years or more than a thousand years these stories were not written down until a thousand years later of course they're going to be very different <laughs> well yeah If you go back to generalizing, leaving the religion, why do you think there's more people leaving the religion now? That doesn't mean there's a decrease of religious people, though. Correct. Because... Population is expanding. Population is expanding, yes. And then yeah. religious people also making kids. Oh, yeah. Making babies, so... More people are leaving. Leaving. That's, yeah, we know that. And I think it kind of comes down to conservatives conservatism versus uh like the natural progression of mm -hmm. human societies and religious institutions are these very old in some cases archaic uh forces mm -hmm. honestly they've expanded because of manipulation mm -hmm. 
religious institutions are about control of a populace and using people's fear or using their obedience to a political end. Mm -hmm. And now societies are changing, governments and nations are changing, and there's a detachment from symbols of authority from religion. There's something that has broken there. A lot of people want to go back to that time. But as our governments progress and there's less of a stronghold of religious authority figures, it's only natural the more people are going to be less religious. Mm -hmm. It's also like the ways of people try to make other people believe in the religion or refresh their faith. They are like out of style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one example, let me ask you this. The, the theory of evolution you don't think about it and then you just believe God or should you be like questioning that more or try to like prove Darwin was wrong? <laughs> I think don't like a lot of people don't, don't want to get into that because even them cannot calculate the end of it. So they just believe it. They, they just don't think, don't think it. Oh, okay. Like, I don't have to know. He's, he just, he was are just Are you wrong. saying like people are afraid of what, uh, what it means that we evolved? Yes. And, I'm also seeing that uh, it used to be taught in the schools, the evolution, right? Well, it depends as part on of a science class. Depends on where you're living. I mean, in the U.S., evolution is very much still a part of science and class. Part of science. I class? mean, we fought for that. It went to court. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was a big deal for a while, and I mean, people are starting to want to bring that back. But yeah, it went. It went to like a a Supreme Court. And over people wanting to teach, quote unquote, the theory of intelligent design mm. alongside evolution, which mm. is saying we should teach this, uh, this theory alongside the theory of evolution, which it wasn't a theory. It was just a spiritual belief, but it was just it was masquerading as a scientific theory. And yeah, I went to court and. They lost because it was clear that it was about putting religion into public schools and government schools are supposed to be, have freedom of religion. So they lost. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to the court because I believe in science. Yeah. In Turkey, it's not in the textbooks anymore. Yeah. We've talked about that before and how very damaging that is. I think it is. I think people should know. People should still, you believe it. Yeah, you believe it or not, doesn't matter. But you should, you should be still reading about it. Yeah, of course. Because that's the whole whole point. If that collapses, yeah, you know. I mean, you should you you cannot build your faith or build your beliefs in some. I don't know. There must be importance placed upon observance of the natural world and what has been observed and what can be seen experiments that can be repeated and produce the same results. There must be importance placed upon that beyond just saying, oh, we believe this. Of course, you should believe what you, what you believe, but we can never put aside how important it is to, to be an accurate witness to mm -hmm. the world around us. Mm -hmm. And I think Schools, this will never happen now because religiosity is just taking over, but schools really ought to include more instruction on how to spot 
fake science. <laughs> there's fake news and there's fake science. But there should be more instruction on how to determine what scientific arguments are made in good faith and what is made out of, shall we say, the narcissism of the scientists involved. What is biased and what is unbiased? How to spot that and how important it is to, to be able to demonstrate something, the scientific method, beyond the scientific method. What's at play when we talk about discoveries and new information that's being published? Like, what's at play there? They need to talk about that more. Because the news would have you believe that the coffee and chocolate and wine are both good and bad, saving your life, killing you slowly. It depends on the day. That's what the news will tell you. <laughs> the science is more clear, right? But people don't think that because what they see is all this conflicting information. People need to know what's actually happening when the newscaster tells you something completely opposite the next day from the day before. Yeah. If you're like believing in religion in deep, if you're really faithful towards your religion, do you like get into the philosophical side of it? Such as like this, like questioning your nature of your reality or reality of your existence or. I think individuals do that, but religious leaders, not so much. Kind of feels like the whole point. It could collapse. Like it can, it can collapse everything you, you believe, or it can just make it tighter or stra straighter. That's why I think they cannot take that risk. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. <laughs> In the Catholic Church, they encourage you like, you know, to be in awe of the natural world and to appreciate it. Same as Islam. Yeah. Looking at a rose or a flower, you should be thinking that, oh, how great is this creature has been created by God. Memo really does that a lot. Yes. Yeah. Says. If you look at an animal or a bug or even a fly. He always says, how is my arm made so perfectly? <laughs> it didn't happen by chance, Jenna. And I say... Yeah, it wasn't a chance. Yet. It was... <laughs> it was a developed process. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a bad thing what he does, though. I mean, to say you should pause. You should pause and think about it, how amazing it is. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, you shouldn't reject evolution, for sure. But in, I, well, I think I told you this before, like, off podcast. In my high school, my Catholic high school, one of the teachers was talking about how we can accept evolution and we can accept that God uh, willed us to be how we are. Yeah, maybe he just started something and then he created the cycle and then it'll happen by itself. Well, she said that God was guiding evolution so that we would reach this point where we reflected him or her. And that when we became that perfect creation, quote unquote, that is when God gave us a soul. Mm. I don't know. I liked, I liked her theory. I wish more people would have that same mindset that religion and science can go hand in hand. A lot of people do. A lot of like really smart scientists and engineers, biologists, philosophers are religious. Yeah. So they don't, they know, they know you can accept both. Hmm. I think that's still in the process. It is still something to discover. Hmm. Because you're still believing to accept both of them. There has never going to be a proof, like an absolute 100% like proof that it happened. You're making an assumption. 
assumption about what? About accepting both. Hmm. That is still a belief. It's not a fact. You might be believing that the thing you believe is strongly <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. But there will be no, like, not say never, but there is a still long way, a lot to discover in order to find the physical evidence of that. That both are intertwined, do you mean? Yeah. God has shaped evolution. Well, yeah, you'll never be able to prove that, but you'll never be able to prove that God exists either or that he doesn't exist. Should we concern ourselves with things that can't be proven? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it worries me. What worries you? The uncertainty. Oh, uncertainty? Yeah. Of course. That's why people cling to religion, because they want to be certain. It's a natural desire, a natural yeah. inclination in people. Yes. The other day I was doing my meditation and I had this pang of anxiety go through me where I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to cease to exist. And you can't sit in that for too long or else you're going to become insane. <laughs> and I think that's what people are doing when they embrace religion. They're like, I can't sit in that extreme discomfort. I need to know that there's something, even though in reality, going back into nothingness will not hurt me at all. Yeah. Yeah. And from millions of years that we evolved, that we like created the first civilization, you tend to believe something greater. They say, yeah, do you have any friends that has left religion recently or a long time ago? Or do you also have friends? I used to have a friend. That has joined the religion. Oh, joined a religion? That one's harder. Mm. I don't know. I know I've known plenty of people who've left religion, but I did meet this one woman. I think she was from somewhere in Africa, I want to say. I can't remember where. She used to be maybe Catholic or some, she used to be Christian anyway. And she left the Christian church because of like sexual abuse from the priest in her community. Oh. And she was like, there's no way like a God could allow his holy man to, to commit such horrible acts. True. And she uh, converted to Islam. She did? Oh, I thought she would be an atheist or something. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people would, but no, she, she converted to Islam. She changed her name to a Muslim name. Okay. She was very involved and she was saying a similar situation happened with an imam. He was abusing you know. children. And she said, I don't know what to do now. You know, similar situation has happened in Turkey before. Mm. There was sexual abuse to children by, um, I wouldn't say imam, but a caretaker for a foundation. Okay. It was a religious foundation, teaching children to real religion, giving them education in Quran. And it was a well-known foundation. It was a, it was a really well-known organization. It did have a really big reaction in the country because there was like 45 of them, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. And that oh was like God. happening, happening over three years. Even some of the kids, they didn't realize that they were like being abused because they were like so small, too young to notice that, you know? Oh my God. That is horrible. And some of the ministry, one of the ministry and a woman has said of this well-known organization doesn't mean completely bad because this happened only once. That's a little tone deaf, I think. You're talking about children being hurt and traumatized. Yeah. She's not in the, in the seat anymore. She had to resign. She's not in the yeah, seat, thankfully. 
it happens a lot in the religion I was raised in. Catholicism is kind of like infamous for priests uh, sexually abusing children, which I actually listened to a really good podcast about the residential schools in Canada where the indigenous people were being forced to convert to Catholicism and there was like rampant sexual abuse in those schools. And I heard someone talking about this before. Why does this happen? And it's really disturbing to talk about, but basically these people in position have so much power and, you know, nothing is in their way, basically. So what's left for them to to feel more powerful? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, if you are a power-hungry person, you know, you're going to want to seek more things to to make you feel powerful. And that's a lot of people who are leading these communities. They're drawn to those positions because they have so much power in a community. And after you have obtained so much sway over a large group of people, what's left to like give you that excitement? And children are like, this is going to sound so disgusting, but children are kind of like the forbidden fruit, like the ultimate taboo. Like you do not harm children. And that is like the ultimate power trip for them that they're able to like get away with doing the most taboo thing basically in society. You know, I never heard that before. It made a lot of sense to me, put a lot of things in perspective, especially if you look at the Catholic Church, the way they have moved people around and they've literally murdered people to protect these holy men, they're called. To protect them because they and are... this really happened? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, they've, they've literally murdered people. So that secret, so that man could continue to abuse children. It's insane. But that just shows you like the power dynamic at play there. It's so revealing. And it should be a psychological study behind this. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I don't have anything against Catholics. My family's Catholic. You know, they're not bad people, but there's something really fucked up about having this hierarchy of being the mouthpiece of God, given those high religious authority, so much power. The Pope went to Canada to apologize for the children that were murdered and sexually abused in their schools, in school. But he didn't go right away after they uncovered these graves, graves of children by a school. Didn't this happen recently? They discovered mass graves, yeah, in Canada recently by these schools. They're just starting to uncover more of them. I mean, this this has been like an open secret, but it's come to the public attention because of they're finding more bodies now. No. And people had to really pressure the Pope to go there. And, you know, he goes to Canada and in his wheelchair and he's like, we're really sorry to these people whose lives were destroyed. Their children's lives are destroyed by that abuse. And some of them are dead because of pedophiles, because of abusers. 
And I just think, not to be on my soapbox, but I think that the Pope should empty out the Vatican and give all the gold and all the jewels to those indigenous people that were fucking tortured and to the families of the murdered children. Exactly. How can he come and just like, I'm sorry. You should be doing something. I mean. You should be doing something. Do you want to talk about why people leave religion? Like. Wow. I think we should have a little bit of a wrap up here on. <laughs> Unless you have another avenue you want to go down. I'm just trying to see what what's what is happening. I'm I'm seeing these religious communities like founded by scholars now like really powerful. Mm. Also in Turkey too. I don't know here exactly, but I'm pretty sure that yeah. they have the power of holding wealth. So I'm just skeptical. That could change our lives. That's what I mean. You, me, maybe might not be talking like this, really. Mm, yeah, it's, it makes me really heartbroken that people can't talk like this in some places. Yes. And uh, what I mean is also they were in politics. They can dictate their beliefs to us, the way we're living, to our lifestyle. I could like name a hundred example in, in Turkey, but um, that could happen in, in any country. Yeah. In any religion also. Yeah. I mean, there's this thing, like if you're really religious, you should be living in a humble life. Uh, yeah. You can't be super rich. You cannot. I mean, look at the, the Muslim countries, especially they import oil. You can <laughs> see the life of their living. That's wrong. Especially when there's like this much of hunger in this world. I mean, that doesn't mean you cannot live that life. You can still live. I have no problem with that. But how much of a donation you're making? I, I could be wrong. I'm not saying what I say is completely true. Just There's a difference between like leaving these institutions, organized religion, and rejecting spirituality. You know, I think a lot of people identify as spiritual nowadays. They don't want to go to church anymore. They don't identify with that. But it's... What I'm saying is that spirituality is, still has its place, even as many like people leave religion. Mm -hmm. I think it will, it'll, it will stay. Yeah. Where this thing is going to go in the future, I wonder. There's going to be like, I don't know, like a thousand years from now, is it, is it going to be like no religion world or? No. <laughs> all religion world. It's Thank probably going to be always like balanced. Yeah. Right. There's always going to be some believers. There's always going to be non-believers, some people in the middle. Yeah. The thing is, we seem to find a creative solution in the religion to finish all of the problems, all, all of the bad. In to have Earth. an answer. To have an answer, yes. So I think religion doesn't hold the only answer to that, right? No. I mean, I don't want to say that it can't for some people. I mean, for some people, religion can be their answer to that need they have. I don't know. I don't want to cast judgment upon people who, for whom religion fills this hole inside, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a guide. It keeps them on a track that they yeah. really need. Yeah. I think they're doing the right thing that way. Mm -hmm. it, it's good to have role models. Mm -hmm. It's good to have people to answer to when you're trying to like, Forge your life into something positive. I think I'm getting away from your point, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. 
I don't know, in the future, I don't think I will be more religious than this from now on. Cannot say I completely left. But in some someone's eyes, that can also change. If you go ask to, uh, I don't know, a religious person, I might be out of the religion right now. <laughs> it's not really for them to decide. I mean, that's personal for I you. I don't know. For my case, I guess I'm just like too um, stuck up with the problems of my daily life. Yeah. Having a job or going to school or whatever. I don't think it should be like this huge concern. We're all just trying to like do our best, you know, every day. We're trying to do the best we can. And anything beyond that, that's extra. Mm -hmm. I saw like someone afraid of going to hell online the other day. Yeah, I'm afraid that too. Really? Yes, yes, I am. But I just, I feel like I'm so away now. It is too late. It's too late to save you? <laughs> yeah, it's too late to save me. Or... No, come on. You can't believe that. No. I don't know. Maybe I don't, I don't go to hell at, at all because I didn't commit a big crime or I didn't kill someone or I didn't. But not praying, just not following the, um, the obligations you have to do might cause a hell penalty. <laughs> No fucking wool. I'm sorry, but I have to push back on this a little bit. According to religion, it can happen. Well, that's what I had been taught. If you're not praying Muslim. I'm sorry. I really don't judge religious people, but the idea that if you're not praying, you're going to go to hell is just not true. I'm sorry. It's a fact. It's not yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's not completely true, but it's, it's not completely true, but it's like, a, how do you say? It's a huge obstacle for you to be an accept, to be accepted in heaven. Uh, says who? says people who just believe what other people have told them that don't question anything honestly do you i, I just i just wonder this um i'm sorry i didn't want to jump into so what were we saying <laughs> <laughs> no it's all right i'll go on it i was just saying if god demands that you choose the right religion mm -hmm. that you pray to him or or her if God demands that you somehow know which religion is right, even if you maybe you weren't born in the country where it was taught, that if you don't worship him or her in the exact right way, that you'll go to hell. I mean, if that's true, then that God is evil and a narcissist. What kind of person demands worship or for you to magically somehow know what is the exact right way to worship Yeah, and or right thing to believe? What kind of person, I mean, demands that from, a per from others? A malignant narcissist. I don't want to worship that person. If that person exists, I don't want to be around them. Mm -hmm. That worshiping also, the meaning of worshiping to Allah, okay, in Islam. That was like one of the first things that, I, that I've been taught. Yeah, your praying doesn't need it by God. God doesn't need your pray, of course. When I say pray, I'm not saying like just talking to him. Like, you know, where... Well, yeah, Muslim, yeah. how they do this five times in a day sounds like yeah it is, seems like a yoga <laughs> it is it seems like some sort of a meditation okay god doesn't need that you need that in order but to that's exactly my point is like preserve your faith if god says i don't need that then why would he send you to hell for not doing it then because you don't if you don't do it you're not gonna you're gonna have a loss of faith and then you're gonna end up in hell that's why my you need why does my loss of faith keep, warrant me pain to and torture for eternity? Why? To keep you on track. Hmm? I'm saying, why does my loss of faith warrant me pain and torture 
endlessly for all eternity. Why? Because you're not believing your creator and... Why the fuck does he care if I, cr- if I believe in him? Why does he care? Why does he need to be worshipped and because to be seen as the highest point? <laughs> because he created you. Because he gave you this life. You should be always appreciative. What? He thinks I'm ungrateful? If he created me, I am grateful. That's great. It's a great life. What do you need beyond that? You need me to like tell you how beautiful and wonderful you are five times a day? Like, no, you don't need that unless you are a narcissist, like I said. But the you have the devil inside, no, not devil inside you, but inside people. But <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. what I meant is the, um, the wicked instinct. Yeah. I'm evil. Let's say I'm seeing this muffin standing in front of me. This what? This muffin. Oh. I know it's evil. extremely unhealthy. It's bad for my health, but uh, somehow. One muffin, really? But somehow I want it. And this is evil to you? <laughs> Just a small example. <laughs> Being unhealthy is not evil. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I was giving a simple example. Do you know what I mean? Let's say a cup of beer. And if you get, if you get drunk. That's a huge sin. So in order to keep you from committing sin, you have to do this five times. But that's so very obviously not true. So you could be possibly like find the more, find more appreciation. But there are other things you can do to develop discipline. In your creation. (laughs) Kind of, yeah, kind of. There kind are other building ways. a discipline, yes. You can develop discipline many ways. You don't have to pray. And you can exert self-control, gain that strength through many sources, not just prayer and religion. Yes, yeah, not, of course, not praying. Also, like, reading the holy book and try to keep yourself away from the, the sins, you know? I and just think you don't need this strict weird old traditions to like learn how to be a good person i mean it's so obvious you don't need it people are raised atheists and like they care for other people mm-hmm. yeah yeah they're still going to hell what they're still going to hell well if even if they think for other people well if they're if i'm going to hell then like i'm gonna enjoy my time on earth as much as possible <laughs> like and part of that is rejecting like some of this ridiculousness if I, I accept that my my disbelief, which is not a choice, as I mentioned before, I accept that my disbelief could put me in hell. I accept that. And I'm not afraid because I don't really believe in hell. But even if hell was real, I can't prevent myself from going there. There's nothing I could do about that. So so if there's nothing you can do, then why should you fear? Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be yelling about this stuff. No, you're fine. I'm really not like this. <laughs> <laughs> you can express yourself freely. I don't I don't mind. Which is I just don't want to like be insulting. That's the thing. For I was being like maybe like too pessimistic about this because when they teach you start teaching you the religion when you're a kid when you're small, they they first give you they first try to teach you or like doctrinate you being scared of him, his rage. Exactly. And is that right in your From eyes? From hell, not <laughs> just like building the love or building the faith or building it, build, building some like, I don't know. So you can like be more appreciative instead of choosing, not not choosing, afraid of the religion, but really like loving it or like building faith on it. So do you think it's right to use fear as a motivator for belief? Yeah, I find that really pretty wrong. I know a lot of people who have been so fucked up from their childhood out of fear from hell. 
And people do that to them intentionally. If you're not afraid of hell, you're not going to be a good believer. That's not true. Yeah, that's not a good way to start. It's so cruel to kids. And it's like you're telling them they're bad and they're not bad. I think the thing, the main point is here, me as a person, I should be a good observant. Observant. Of myself. and uh, mm, Yes. The things I read, things I find reasonable to believe. Mm-hmm. still read a lot of books on it or make research i don't want to be believing blindly something that's good that would be my advice from my own, own experience it is a process i don't want to say a journey but learning because we are like intelligent beings that should be going on daily life we should find some time to not should maybe need especially like a people like me who comes from a religious background doing these checkups on each other on myself i think You know, thinking about why you believe what you believe, you know, analyzing those things is a really good practice. Like you shouldn't just blindly listen to authority. You know, we all know that, but (laughs) not everyone follows that. But I think at the end of the day, that's just not as important as self-acceptance and then transforming that self-acceptance into kindness and compassion outwardly. Because what I believe is not important. It doesn't, it's not important if people know what I believe, if people think what I believe is smart or dumb. It's just, it, it doesn't matter at all. What matters is the relationships I have with people, you know, how I treat them, how they feel around me. That's what matters at the end of my life. I really, I don't even care that much about what I believe beyond like just core values. What is dark matter? Like, who gives a fuck? It doesn't matter. It just matters how you show up for the people around you. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all That's all I want to say. Yeah. And I can stop my aggressive ranting <laughs> about religion. Anyway, thanks, you guys, for listening to us. Thank you. This was the Interculture Podcast. And we will see you next week. Please follow us on social media. You can find us. (laughs) You're like, please do social media, (laughs) even though I hate it. (laughs) Email us at interculturepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media at interculturepod.